Thank you for joining us on the Ultimate Leadership Podcast. And here's your host, Chris Sabalero. Well, this is it. Once again, it's time for the Ultimate Leadership Podcast. I'm your host, Chris Sabalero. I got to tell you, I am very excited about the show today. You know, recently I had the opportunity to give a keynote address. And I got to tell you, I just love the ability to stand in front of an audience and entertain them and inform them and give them some persuasion. And somebody came up to me at the end of uh, my last talk and they said, you know what, Chris, you make that look so very easy. I mean, what's the secret? And I got to tell you, I mean, really, I've been speaking since 1986 and I was trained in the United States Air Force to become a speaker. You know, I had to go through six weeks of instructor training. And then since that time, I've really kind of honed the skill of being able to public speak or being a motivational speaker. Now, one of the things that has happened is that experience and all those years have really given me my, I guess, style of of speaking. Well, it really kind of made me think about bringing somebody on the show that was truly an expert in public speaking who was able to give you the tips necessary that will help you to now embark on your career or maybe polish your skills as a public speaker. So I am very, very excited to introduce four-time TEDx world-class speaker. He focuses on helping individuals develop their personal brand. He's an expert in networking, making those connections and relationships, and he's also very, very big in social media leadership, coming to us all the way from Toronto, Canada, our resident presentation expert, Bobby Umer. Bobby, how you doing? I'm doing great. Thank you so much for having me here. Hey, man, I got to tell you, man, when we think about speaking, you know, it, it was easy for me just to come up and say, let me go ahead and give some tips. But with a resume like you have, you are really going to kind of set the standard and really kind of give some great information to the folks that are listening. You know, they say that public speaking is one of those, you know, fears, you know, I'd rather I'd rather die than have, you know, public right. speaking. So if I ask you, what do you what's so intimidating about public speaking? I think the biggest challenge for people is that there's a spotlight on them and all of a sudden they're like, oh my God, this this big light's on my face, all these deers and headlights looking at you. It's very intimidating. And on top of that, I think people feel the need to be Tony Robbins or some super fantastic speaker when really all you got to do is be a great teacher. So I think all those people having the stage, having the mic, I mean, myself personally, I'll give an example. As much as I love speaking, uh, there's context. One time someone asked me to do uh, stand-up. And I was terrified because even though in my speeches I'm funny, the fact that I had to be funny in my jokes, oh, my God. And I I was freaked out by that idea. And I did it once, but it was really (laughs) terrifying for me. But as a speaker, you know, (laughs) same thing. People are there to watch you. And so that, that spotlight, I think, is the biggest thing that people are afraid of. You know, I got to tell you, I, I, I've only admitted this to a couple people, but one of the things I've always wanted to do is, is a little stand-up, and uh, I don't know that that day will ever come, but it's on my you know long-term goals. But you know, so Bobby, let me ask you this: I really want to kind of take people through the process of developing a presentation, and you know, you've right. got uh, you know you're a four-time TEDx world-class speaker, so I guess the first thing that I'm going to ask you is, what's the best practice? for developing an interesting topic that will maximize audience engagement? Hmm, that's a good question. I think the first thing to think about is who's your target and what's the objective, right? So, you know, if I'm targeting, you know, women, single single mothers, if I'm targeting army people, if I'm, if I'm targeting CEOs of big corporate companies, um, if you know what your target is, then that's the first thing because knowing your audience is the number one thing for every great speaker because as soon as you know your audience – you now know their pain, how they feel, what their struggles are, what their challenges are. And then from the topics, from, from those pains and ch- challenges they have, 
you then come up with a topic. So for example, um, if I'm targeting, let's say people, uh, CEO is a good example. One of the biggest struggles is how do I navigate social media, particularly something like Twitter, I don't know what to do. So you think of the pain, you think of the fears they have, some rational or irrational, and then based on that, I come up with a topic that will cut right to that pain point and hit it right, right in the center. And when that happens, you're like, wow, I totally get that. So it really starts with your target, understanding their, their fears or their pain points, and then come up with a topic that directly addresses that pain point. Yeah, I think that's some really great advice. And one of the things that that does as well is it gives you the opportunity to really research that audience and find out what those pain points are. You know, one of the things that I like to say all the time, Bobby, is that people don't buy services and they don't buy products. What they buy is outcomes. And what you just described is really in your in your speech, in your talk, you're giving them the outcomes they need to be successful. Absolutely, Chris. I think, uh, you know, the outcome is the, the result. I mean, you know, corporations, for example, love the benefit. What's the result? How's it going to benefit me? So by addressing that pain point, you are yeah, exactly saying, like, I'm going to talk about this, and here's how my speech is going to benefit you. And this usually happens in the title, in the subtitle, in terms of what you're going to address. So now that we've gone through this process and we've researched our audience and we've kind of picked a topic that, you know, we're going to deliver, what's the best way now to outline those main points? I mean, so, you know, a lot of people are going to, you know, kind of maybe use an extemporaneous outline. Some people are going to use a, a PowerPoint. But when you think about outlining a talk, what advice do you have for the people that are out there? Yeah, so the first thing I do is I storyboard it, right? So one of the things is what is my what is my number one takeaway that I want them to get out of it? What's my call to action? What what's the key takeaway that I want them to get? Once I have that key takeaway, so for example, the key takeaway is I want everybody to open up a Twitter account and start engaging. Okay, then I'll break that down into several sub key takeaways, and that's how I start to structure it. Now I usually everyone you use a different model. They'll use like you know the text or the written word. I use PowerPoint as my structuring tool to to set that all up. But essentially, I start off with, you know, what are the key takeaways and then how do I break it down? Once I have that, then I start thinking about the story arc because every presentation has some sort of story arc. And usually what I do is I arc in the beginning where I bring up the main kind of pain point or issue or topic that I'm talking about. I'll then actually revisit it later on in the topic. And then at the very end, I'll, I'll, I'll re-engage the exact same thing. So usually what I do is it's the old, old adage, you tell them what you're going to tell them, then you tell them, then you tell them what you told them. And that's how I story arc. So once I've story arced it, now I look at, okay, uh, a few things. One is, how do I relate to this topic personally? So so I can tell a couple stories to get, get familiarize myself with the people. Number two, then I look at the data research. What are the, what's the data research of uh, this area? Uh, and then on top of that, then I look at certain case studies that exemplifies uh, my point so I get across. Because then what happens is I make a personal connection. I give them the data. I give them the stories. And when I do all that, in my, and then my own kind of, and then I think for opportunities for like, you know, uh, a key motivational point or a key comedic point. But by being able to do that, I'm actually able to create a really compelling presentation. Yeah, I'll give you an example, actually. Yeah, please. Uh, I, did, I, did, I did one uh, a couple of years ago. It was it was for the death care industry. So basically funeral parlor and cemetery owners, right? And it's like, okay. Uh, you know, they wanted some ideas on social media. So I started thinking about, you know, like I researched to death, pun intended, the death care industry. <laughs> no, and, and I and I looked, and as a, when I showed up, they couldn't believe how much data I had. They're like, "Wow, that's a lot of data, a lot of information." <laughs> now, the bad part of it was interesting was that I said, the, "Clearly, the stories and the data are telling me that you need to stop focusing on plots. Into it, you need to invest in the fact that people are now. The data suggests that everyone's doing um, what's that? The one when you burn them, they uh, a cremation. Yeah, a cremation. Yeah. The, 
And and a lot of people were complaining about the cremation, but I'm like, it's it's happening. It's growing by 20%. You need to embrace this. And some of that fell on deaf ears. Although other people were like, wow, you know, you're really innovative and you, you had me convinced because I had the stories and the data to support what I was saying. Yeah, that's really interesting and really funny, by the way. So now I can see where that stand-up comic stuff comes from. But let me ask you this, Bobby. So one of the things that always happens, though, is it seems that as we you know, recognize the audience and we know what we're going to talk about, sometimes when we get in front of them, the talk isn't going to go as we planned. How, how do we now change and switch to meet the expectations of what the audience is looking for? Well, one of the things I like to do before any presentation is I like to get access to three or four people and I ask them what their objectives are for this talk, what they're hoping to get out of it, what will be a home run. So these are questions that I would ask the organizers in terms of what I want or what they want, actually. And then I almost always do this. This is one of my signature moves. But basically, I have I set aside five minutes to engage and say, hey, what are the top issues you're, or challenges you're facing uh, in set, such and such topic? Now, I've already done my research and I already have kind of my own stuff. But what I do is I say, well, that's great, guys. Now, I've actually done my own research and here's the top five things that I've seen based on what I've, what I've discovered. And so I'll throw in my top five issues, but then I'll throw in one or two that maybe have come out of nowhere that I hadn't thought about uh, in that discussion. So that five, minute of, five minutes of engagement with the audience is amazing to generate insight, to show that you are invested in who they are, and to identify anything that you may want to make sure uh, you shift your presentation to, to make sure that it covers. Yeah, I think that's some really great points. And because that happens sometimes. I mean, we go ahead and we we kind of have this plan in our head of what this talk is going to look like. And then as we start to begin this process, you know, we really kind of have to shift on the fly as well as to kind of, again, meet those expectations. But, you know, so now as we start to prepare this and we know the audience, we have a topic, we've set an outline. What suggestions do you have for preparing for this speech? One of the things that I used to, you know, as I teach uh, speaking to people, one of the things I share with them is you should have four hours of preparation for every hour of lecture. And, you know, that really kind of goes to the core of how I was taught, but I kind of keep that as a plan. But as you're now preparing, what advice do you have for the people who are listening? Structure is really important. Structure allows the audience to understand kind of where you're going with things and then follow along. So a lot of people, they just kind of talk uh, at random. It's not, it's, not, it's not a fun speech to listen to because you have to be really, really careful. You have to be, they have to have your ears really, really open. Ideally, you want them to actually just sit back, relax, and take it all in and, and process it in, in a really, really good way. But, you know, there's three things I would say. Know your stuff, organize your stuff, rehearse your stuff. So the first thing is know your stuff. So make sure you know more than anybody else in the room. And even if you don't, acknowledge that you don't know something and then get back to them. But do enough research that you're quite competent uh, with the topic. So that's the first thing, to, to do your research and to, to know your stuff. The second thing is to organize your stuff. You organize your stuff in a way that's clear to you as you're presenting, but also clear to the audience as they're going along with you with, with the journey because you already told them what you're going to talk about and you take them along that journey. And the third thing is to rehearse it. The, the, more, uh, the more nervous you are, the more of a foreign topic it is, the more, um, the more uh, I guess, unique the, top, the presentation is, the more important it is for you to actually rehearse it. And I typically have been doing this for so long that I don't usually rehearse my, my speeches. But that's because I'm so comfortable with the fact that I've prepared it and I've organized in a way that I feel pretty good about it. That said, when I did my first of my four TEDx talks, I rehearsed that thing 30 times. And I'll tell you, it was a short speech too, right? Yeah, it was right. only 50, 15 minutes long. Right, right. But, I, but I rehearsed it 30 times, and every single time I never got it the way I wanted it. It was crazy. Oh, really? Yeah, but but when I see it on stage and on the video, I'm like, oh, okay. Like I can't, You can't even see 
that at that moment in my head when I was freaking out that I only had six months left and I had half of a presentation to go. Oh, but wow. when I watch the screen, I don't see anything because because I was so on, I was in the zone, you know. Right, right, right. Yeah, and it's yeah. one of the things too. I don't know if you do this, but you know, you you try to set up the thought of what the presentation is going to look like, and then I always kind of grade myself at the end to say, oh, I could have been better. I could have done this better. I could have done that better. And I don't know, you know, the there. I have friends that will ask me, "How'd your talk go?" And I'll always say it was okay. And sometimes I'll say, you know, that was a really great presentation. They'll be like, really? You said it was a great presentation. You never say that. So, you know, yeah. I think we're a little bit hard on ourselves too, as, as uh, you know, as we're presenters to try to give the best that we got. Oh, I'm always trying to, you know, analyze it and what could I do better? Oh, that joke didn't go well. Oh, that didn't seem res- responsive to that. I, I'm always overthinking it. But again, um, you know, a lot of people talk about, you know, butterflies in your stomach. I have butterflies in my stomach before every speech. But that's good because it means I care. It means I care to deliver the very best. It means I care about the audience. The moment you have absolutely no nerves and no butterflies, it means you don't give a crap, right? Or you're just so cocky and arrogant. Like, that's that's terrible. You want to have a vested interest in every single speech. So for me, I'm always – and I'm a very analytical player. You know, I'm a chess player, so I love to analyze things to death. But I find that helps me. It helps me uh, to get better and to continue to grow. I've been doing the networking talk for 10 years now. But, you know, if you look back to the initial one, and I keep reiterating and adding more and more things, maybe a new joke. Some of the jokes are eight years old, some of them are fresh. <laughs> but as long as they still work, right? Oh, so, yeah, they're gold. <laughs> Stick with it. Right? That's right. They're gold. That's gold, Jerry. Gold. Gold, gold. So now we're in front of the audience and we're given the presentation. <clears throat> and one of the things that we try to do is we try to keep the audience as engaged as possible. So what tips do you have for people that are delivering a talk to keep that audience engaged? Well, there's lots of ways to keep the audience engaged. I mean, I think visuals are really helpful. Uh, you know, a lot of people don't do stocks with PowerPoint, but I think PowerPoint's a great visual tool to add the dynamics of your presentation. I think uh, how you, body language and voice dynamics, tone, these are all things that will add to the overall presentation. If you can do humor, great. I mean, I wouldn't suggest everyone does that. I can do it, but a lot of people cannot. So you, you should really get feedback from your friends. Like, guys, seriously, am I funny or not? Because if they say no, <laughs> then don't, uh, don't try it. Because right. it's, it's a hard thing to learn. Um, and then aside from that, I mean, the, the things that I do to keep people engaged, one is my energy le- controlling my energy level. Number two is asking questions and having some interactive, interactive pieces of, of it. I also am really big on storytelling and case studies. I think that works really, really well. Um, those are the different, and, and often I, if I have a chance to actually do an interactive activity, I will totally do it. Yeah, I mean, I have to agree with you, and I think that that's one of the things. I mean, we're there for the audience, and we really want to make sure that we come across the best way that we can. You know, earlier you did mention that you use PowerPoint. I use PowerPoint as well, but I've seen where PowerPoint has become a crutch to people who are presenting. So when you sure. think about the use of PowerPoint, is this a helpful tool, or is this something that can really distract from you as the visual aid? Well, I think whatever, no matter what tool you use, it can be, you either can use it uh, efficiently or you can use it uh, to the death of you, right? So whether it's uh, you're stuck on Facebook for six hours a day not doing any work or you use Facebook to connect with your friends and whatever, same thing with PowerPoint. I mean, you have to find a way to use it properly in a way that, you know, doesn't take away from you. It's meant to, it's meant to prop you up. It's not meant to take away. They, sh- they should be, the audience is there to hear and listen to you. They're not there to read your slides. Your slides add a, a visual element that you can't, Add, they add uh, a nice little quick one line or one line summary of something you're a big point you're trying to make so it really gets in their head. But for the most part, you know, with visuals and, and small amounts of you know text, it can be a fantastic tool. The ones who beat it to death and just read off it, what's the point? You know what? Just phone it in and record it, send it to me via email. Why the hell am I here? 
Yeah, I have to agree with you. And and those are the times and those presentations really uh, become monotonous. You know, one of the things that I've tried to do in my presentations, and this has probably been for the last year, is I don't use any text anymore. I use just pictures or I use just mm-hmm. graphs or something like that. And really, to me, it's it's more of a placeholder for my main points. This way, yeah. I know that as I'm, I'm clicking through those slides and I see the picture of whatever, I see a picture of Bobby up there, I know it's time to tell a joke. You know what I mean? Yeah, it's a... It's a, it's a... It's a trend that people are using a lot more. Uh, for me, my big thing is I like to have a key takeaway in every slide, so particularly the big ones. So whether it's visual or whether it's you know uh, or there's some text on it at the very end of it, what's the key takeaway? And I basically summarize it in one line, yeah. in that way, because you know, in the longer you go, the more important it's for you to have these key takeaways. In an hour presentation, you don't need it, but when you do a full day one, uh, then then it's really critical we have those key takeaways. So. While I have used uh, you know imagery for slides, I have not adopted a presentation style where I use it completely, uh, particularly for for a keynote. I think it's good to have some text uh, to really drive home some of the, the big points. And I think that's a really great advice. So, so let me ask you this. I mean, so now we've been going for a couple of years now, and we've had success with speaking. We know how to analyze our audience and choose a topic and prepare. You know, you've been on the TEDx stage. If if people now want to think about you know, moving to that, you know, to that stage, how do we get there? What advice do you have for us to, to become a TEDx speaker? Well, it's funny you mentioned that. I actually started doing some training on that. I did a webinar on exactly how to land your first TEDx talk. The first thing to think about is, again, what, is your, what are your big ideas? It goes back down to the, what are, what are your two or three big TEDx ideas that, and it, it can't be like basic things like, you know, sales are important or, you know, it's important to invest in people. That's, that's general stuff. It's got to be something really, really unique or has a, have a unique slant to it. So what's your big idea for the world that you want uh, to share? And then once you once you know that, then the best way to actually get a TED Talk is, first off, put together that put, that, put those ideas together and then look for TEDx Talks that actually have a certain theme that aligns with what you're talking about. Every TEDx Talk around the world has different themes. So if the theme aligns with your talk, you should pitch them. Now, if it doesn't align, then don't try to don't try to you know put a square peg in a round hole. It's not really that good. You are, you really want to make sure that it aligns with the theme because they'll be looking for you when you when you pitch that. And then the other thing I'll say to get a great TED, TEDx talk, honestly, is have a kick-ass thought leadership profile. Like when people Google you, what do they see? Do they see like some amazing stuff? I mean, when they look me up, they'll see four hundred thousand followers on Twitter and seven thousand people on, on Instagram. They'll see my profile on my website. So it's very it's quite prolific. Um, when they look, when they Google you, what happens? What do they see anything? Cause if they don't, that's going to be a detriment to your application. And I think that's really important is, is it's developing that personal brand. So you do have a lot of programs out there for individuals who want to develop their personal brands, who, who want to make those connections and those relationships happen. And of course, public speaking. So what programs or initiatives do you presently have that our audience can engage with you on? Uh, there's a few. So right now I uh, have a program. My signature program is called Networking Mastery. It's a 12-week, 12-module program, 16 hours of content on how to do anything to do with networking, relation building, authentic connection, including social media and, and uh, personal branding. That's one. The second thing that I'm working on actually right now is actually how to actually, it's called the Authentic Audience Accelerator. It's basically helping people not only develop personal brand, develop an extra, extra brand, build a huge audience, Create authentic connection, and that's a four-week program that I'm just actually launching now. And the other one that I'm working on is actually how to become a paid successful speaker. Uh, this is actually a beta program I'm launching in 2017. I'm kind of excited about this because it's one of the questions that people ask me. How do I become a speaker, and how do I get paid for it? 
So how do I get the gigs and how do I get paid for it? So I'm going to cover everything from marketing materials to branding yourself, the story you tell, the pitching, the negotiation, delivery of content, and then managing the relationship. I'm launching that actually uh, in a month, and I'm pretty excited about that. And if people want to get in touch with me, they can always go to my website at rayallen.com or find me on my Facebook business page. And also, I launched a new Facebook page where people can ask me any question about relationship, networking, and connection. It's called The Power of Connection. Awesome. And, you know, if folks want to send you emails, could you have an email address they can reach out to? Or Sure. Sure. My email address is rayhanbobby at gmail.com. R-A-E-H-A-N-B-O-B-B-Y at gmail.com. Bobby, I got to tell you, man, it's been an awesome time. I love your energy and I'm kind of feeding off that right now. I'm going to get out and run a marathon when I'm done chatting with you, but I want to thank you for coming on the show. I want to thank you for sharing your experiences as your programs come out, come back on the show. Let's go ahead and talk about them and see if we can get some folks to engage with you and utilize that experience you've developed. That'll be amazing, Chris. Thanks so much. Really appreciate it. And for everyone out there, that's going to put a wraps on another Ultimate Leadership Podcast. I got to tell you, we do this because of you. Keep sending us your letters. Keep sending us your ideas. We have shows in production right now that are coming from your suggestions, and we totally appreciate it. For my guest, Bobby Umer, I'm Chris Sabalero, and I look forward to chatting with you again real soon. Thank you for joining us. The Ultimate Leadership Podcast is a production of chrissubbalero.com. You can interact with us by email at ultimateleadership16 at gmail.com. All rights reserved.